You probably know him as my co-host here on the CrossFit Edwardsville Community Podcast, but you may not also know that Dallas Amsden is a husband, he's a father, he's a stand-up comedian, he's the former leader of the Defeating Depression Podcast, the former chief ignition officer of the Men of Faith and Fire movement, and he is the current leader of the Communicate to Succeed business presentation and communication coaching business. And he's a CrossFitter with a pretty cool success story. On the podcast today, we'll hear from Dallas and learn his story. Stick around. Welcome to the CrossFit Edwardsville Community Podcast, where we hear and learn from our coaches, CrossFitters, and Glen Ed community leaders. Now, here are your hosts, Dallas and Greg. Hi, guys. Welcome to another episode of the CrossFit Edwardsville Community Podcast. In this podcast, we get to learn from our CFE coaches, meet CFE CrossFitters and meet and learn about Glen Ed community leaders and business owners. I'm the co-host here, Greg Skelly, the CEO and GM of CFE CrossFit And today I get to also turn my sometimes co-host into my guest because today I'm interviewing, getting to know our CFE CrossFitter, the incomparable <laughs> Dallas Amsden. Oh my Good God. Good afternoon, Dallas. Incomparable. <laughs> oh my goodness. Incomparable. So Dallas is the Chief Ignition Officer for Men of Faith and Fire, host of the podcast of the same name, where he helps Christian dads defeat overwhelm and burnout. Welcome, Dallas. Dallas officially became a part of our CrossFit community on May 6th of 2019 as a part of our six-week challenge, but I don't want to steal his thunder, so I'll let him actually tell the story himself. But yeah, I'm really excited to interview Dallas today as, as a person, a CrossFitter, an entrepreneur, a brand builder. As somebody I look up to, Dallas, I, I'm really excited here. I'm, I'm kind of fanboying right now. So, <laughs> Oh, geez. Well, let, I'll fanboy yeah. back on you a little bit too, I'm sure, throughout this conversation. Thanks for having me though, man. Um, you had gotten, you were able to come on my previous podcast, the Defeating Depression mm -hmm. podcast. And we yeah. actually recorded that at Lineup Media right there in, in downtown Edwardsville as well. So this is, uh, this is fun to be back on yours as literally yeah. as the guest this time. So Right. Yeah, uh, I was, so I was going through the photographs in my phone a couple of weeks back, and I found a bunch of like video snippets of us from that podcast, and I saved them into this folder. I'm like, dude, I gotta, I gotta geek out on this with Dallas because that was <laughs> legitimately that was my first experience with anything like a podcast, anything yeah. at all. I had never been on one. I'd never done one. I didn't have any idea what it was really like. So. I've said this before on this podcast, like everything that I really know about podcasts, I've kind of learned from Dallas and hopefully I do right by you with this podcast here today. Well, so. that was, that was actually a really fun experience because even with the defeating depression podcast, most of my guests were not local. So most of them were like, I had the week before you, I had interviewed a therapist in Chicago and then I had interviewed a uh, holistic guy out of Los Angeles. And so mm -hmm. that was all, usually my stuff was all virtual too. So we, we got to go in the studio and have the right. cool microphones. And, and I think if I remember correctly, we even had like the cool podcast headphones and stuff. So we did. Yeah. It was, uh, it was a little scary for me at the time. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I was a lot of my element, but I'm learning. So that, that's how I felt when I first came to CrossFit was totally out of my element. <laughs> so this is a, that's a great lead in because I, I want to ask you some questions about the CrossFit thing and then how sure. kind of we got connected. So, so Dallas, how did you find out about CrossFit Edgel in the first place? Uh, so I had uh, I had been circling the CrossFit the CrossFit drain. No, I'd been circling CrossFit for a couple of years. Uh, I obviously, like a lot of people, had seen uh, the Rich Froning documentary. I think on the time it was on Netflix, and I was like, "What? What is this? Like, how insane is this dude?" Um, and so then, not long after I watched it, uh, I caught one of the games documentaries. I think it was. Uh, Fit, I, I'm forgetting the name of it. It was, uh, it was from like. was the fittest, and then there's um, every was, second counts. Yeah, it was like that was it. Every second counts. So I caught that one Got as it. well, and um, I was like, all right, this is this is an insane culture. I've heard of CrossFit, but the only thing I knew about CrossFit before those documentaries was uh, all the uh, 
all the misinformation about Rabdo the clown and all of that oh, sure. from years before. Yeah. Um, so so then that that summer I watched the games and I was like, oh, this this is cool. And yeah. I said to my wife, I said, I think I would like this, but I was I was not anywhere near ready to jump in. And I think we've talked about this on previous episodes of this podcast before. There was a point where I bought into the myth that I had to be in a certain shape to even come to the to even come to a CrossFit class. I was like, oh, I'm not even fit enough to go do that because that the games is all I had in my head. Um, and so I was like, I'm going to get fit enough to hit CrossFit. And then uh, I'd done some searching online of just like local local CrossFit gyms. And then uh, your your savvy marketing skills started retargeting me on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, ah, someone someone in the Glen Ed area who's in the Mar uh, technically Maryville, but in the Glen Ed area who's looked up CrossFit and he's a guy and he's in a certain age range. We're going to put our targeting dollars toward him. Um, and that did uh, happen. Yeah, it that did. did and I think the ad, I think the ad that got me and here, I'm going to fanboy on you for a minute. I think the okay. ad that uh -oh. got me was, uh -oh, you, not worried. you know, you were, you were in the back lot and you were swinging a bat at like chips, potato chips or something. No, uh, goldfish crackers. Goldfish. I knew it was crackers or chips or something. So you're, Dude, you're, you're not crackers. wearing a shirt. You're ripping your ripped abs, but you're not like overly, you don't look like a meathead. You look like a guy who's really fit and you're swinging this bat and hitting the goldfish. What I thought was chips. And I, and I said to my wife, I said, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to find out about this six week challenge. Cause this might be a good way for me to get involved. Cause it was specifically a weight loss challenge. And I was like, all right, I don't have to get fit to start. And, right. um, the rest is they say is history. That was, uh, yeah, I'm a little over, little under two years since I've been there. That's amazing, dude. Uh, on that topic, I think I got more hate for that one ad than any other. Like, I don't know if you read the comments on that. The comments were savage. And it is all people like critiquing my baseball swing. Oh, well, of course. I had, I had so many haters for that, for but, that ad. Further marketing proof that controversy breeds cash. I guess so, man. Yeah. I guess so. I mean, it's. Someone's coming in. <laughs> Somebody's coming in. Yeah. I'll let them go. Anyway, so um, that was kind of a fun throwback. So let's, let's fast forward to now. So, so Dallas, like, how has this CrossFit thing helped you in like how you look, how you feel, your, your life, like performance, like how you live, like, How's, how's it changed you? So in in many ways, I am stronger. Uh, but what I would say, and I'll say this as just kind of an overarching thing about CrossFit in general, is I had gotten to the point where I was so bored of mm -hmm. being in a gym. Like I would go to the gym and it was chest and tries and back and buys and leg day. Oh, yeah. But ba, 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 all the stuff. And, and, um, and it was just very monotonous and i kept having to find more and more aggressive music to keep me motivated <laughs> um, and it was you know your 20 minutes of warm-up cardio on a on an elliptical or something and it just was i was really bored with fitness and so the one thing i would say about crossfit that is really still i think the reason why i've stuck to the wall more than anything is because the workout while most of the movements are similar like i know we're always going to be working with kettlebells at some point every week there's going to be a clean and jerk movement da, da, da. but it's always different i can walk into the gym and short of it being a hero wad or you know one of the girl wads or something i can walk in and go man what do i get to do today uh and just like last week we had a workout that included a bunch of box jumps and um and i got to the point where i in the middle of the workout, yes, I was sweating, breathing hard, but then I started jumping up and down off of this box. And I was like, this is what my kids do. Yeah. This is what my three boys, they jump on a box and jump off of the box 50 times simply because they <laughs> want to. Yeah. It's fucked them. It's, it's, yeah. it's playful. It's it playful. Is. And it was weird. It was like this weird light bulb went off in me of, I, I get, I'm playing right now. I get to play. Yeah. And so, Yes, the workouts can be brutal. And there are days I definitely have trouble sitting down because my legs and my, you know, my posterior chain is burnt 
Um, but, uh, uh, but, uh, all in all you get to go and play and have fun. And I think that's, that's one of the biggest elements of CrossFit. I know I kind of went on a tangent there, but, um, it's all good, man. Go that's, for it. that's kind of, for me, the play element has really been fun, but, but in general, um, you and I were just talking, uh, my recent success is I've really, uh, I did CrossFit for the first year plus, and I never dialed in my nutrition in a way that worked for me. And I've finally found a way to dial in my nutrition. And just in the last, what is it now? 15 weeks, I'm, I'm down over 40 pounds. Um, that's so awesome, man. Congratulations. Yeah. So you earned it. You earned it. Well, it, it's, it's not easy, <laughs> but, yeah. but, um, what I'm finding is I'm also, I'm hitting more personal bests. I'm hitting more of my PRs. I'm, I'm doing things that I couldn't do. I, um, just in, in one of the workouts this week, actually, I was able to do kipping pull-ups. I switched from banded pull-ups to kipping pull-ups. Cause I was like, all right, I can only hit these one at a time, but I'm, I'm way less now. So I can, and, yeah. and, and because of that, there's less inflammation in my shoulders. So I can kip a little better. I can hit the 30 inch box jump, just all of these things that like, fitter stronger a little bit faster not very fast yet still faster um but then also one of the biggest gains if i were to say it this way it would be the mental toughness Mm -hmm. that there used to be times i mean you would you would text me and you would say hey man haven't seen you for four days where are you and i'm like i'm panicking about coming to crossfit like my my mental game was so weak that i would look at certain workouts and be like "Ah, ha ha." And I had sleepless nights a couple of times. I know that's weird. And I'm sure somebody's hearing that and laughing, being like, dude, you would have sleepless nights over CrossFit. Yeah, I, I would. Um, where I'd be like, I don't know what's going to be on the workout for tomorrow. I have no idea what's coming up. I can't mentally prepare for it. So um, it caused some anxiety and some sleeplessness a few times. And and now it's just like, no, we're, we're going to play. We're going to have fun. And we're going to get fit. That's awesome, man. That's how it should be. It should be an enjoyable thing for you. Yeah, yeah. For sure. I think too, that that's an interesting thing you just brought up there, G, is um, I remember seeing a meme a while ago, just a word meme with an image. And it said, don't work out because you hate your body, work out because you love it. Right. It's not a punishment. Right. And I think, I think that's where a lot of people feel. I mean, I know that's how I felt. I was like dragging myself to a gym because it was like, well, I ate like crap. I overate. I did this. Now I have to punish myself and do these workouts. And so I think that crept that helped the monotony creep in as well. Got it. So this is an interesting segue because I wanted to ask you, like a couple of years in, you have a couple hundred workouts, maybe more yeah. under your belt now, probably a few hundred, right? So what's been your favorite workout you've done and your least favorite workout you've done here? Oh my. Well, I can easily tell you my least favorite. But, okay, but, but it was actually, um, it was actually pro- as weird as it sounds, it was also probably my favorite. So, um, the ones that are a little more grueling for me are the couplets, the long duration couplets where I'm going to be doing the same two things for the next 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, but, uh, what, what that is, is it's a little bit of a mental slog. You just got to slog through it because the movements start to feel monotonous and you're getting winded and you're eight, 10, 12 minutes in and you look up and you're like, man, I still have another half of this to go. This sucks. Um, sure. So so the long duration couplets are always a little bit grueling for me. I like a little bit of the variety. So I like when there's three movements. Occasionally we'll have like a fourth movement and we're just cycling through those um, in, in an AMRAP style, as many rounds or as many reps as possible. Um and I have found that typically like that 12 to 15 mark is a pretty sweet spot for me in, in any of those AMRAPs because it's uh, it's that mid duration. But to that point, my uh, as odd as it sounds, it was a long duration workout. It was um, it was the Thanksgiving 12 days of 12 days oh, of Thanksgiving. That's a classic. It's a classic, but what's cool about it, and I didn't get to be there this last year because we were out of town, but but the previous Thanksgiving, I, yeah, I wasn't there for the 2021. I was there for the 2019 one. Um, I loved the, I loved all the various movements and that 
I worked my way through them and it was kind of this weird variation of a chipper. Um, yeah, but, uh, but I actually thoroughly enjoyed it because I was like, Hey, there's a lot of different movements and this is not going to get boring. So my, my mind was fully engaged the whole time. Flip side of that, it also became my least favorite workout because I I vomited at the end. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I think I was the only person in the gym that day to vomit. And I'm like running. I think you did. Yeah, I think you were. I think I was the only yeah. one. Um, so that was also uh, it hurt for a couple of days afterwards. So I would say that was my favorite and my least favorite. Um, sure. But when we did uh, when we did this last year, um, on the the 911 hero workout. It was just the uh, what was that two thousand weighted step ups? Uh, I think it was it was the or it was a time workout Chad workout Chad one thousand box step ups for time. That's what it was one thousand box step ups yeah. for time, and it was like a time cap of twenty eight minutes or something. Um, yeah, and w- w- we wore weighted vests. That was one of the first workouts I had put on a weighted vest for. And what was really intriguing about that? I spoke about the monotony a few minutes ago, but that one actually put me in a place um, because right beforehand the coach had said, Hey, think about what the heroes gave up when you do this. And maybe you were coaching that class. I don't remember, but as I'm just doing the step-ups and just going and going and going and I'm 10 minutes in 12 minutes in 15 minutes in, and it's just a single step down and up. I hit this place of like emotional breakthrough where I moved past the God, this is going to suck moment. And I found this place of like stoicism where yeah. I just remained stoic through the whole thing. And it was just like, this is what we're doing. And then it took me to the next level where I actually really started focusing on the heroes in 9-11. Yeah. And I was like tearful at a point. And so I remember that yeah. when there was a lot of mental growth in that workout and it gave way to this really cool emotional response in me. And so that one, I think from an emotional side, uh, from an emotional point of view, that one really stuck out to me. Um, yeah. Uh, I love both those workouts too. The 12 days of thankfulness yeah. and the Memorial day, I guess it's not Memorial day, but it's, it's the nine 11 stair climb workout. Right. I mean, it's incredibly memorable. Yeah. What about your favorite movements or exercises, Dallas, your favorite <laughs> movement or exercise? You know, we actually, you and I talked about this this morning, just at the gym, as weird as it sounds, and people would be like, that guy is sadistic. Um, I really enjoy thrusters. I, yeah, that's weird. I, <laughs> that's weird. Um, I like, I like shoulder to overhead movements just in general. Those are, those are fun for me. My shoulders are very strong, so I can really mm-hmm. power through some stuff. Um, like today in, in one of the workouts, it was, um, the the hang cleans and then it was shoulder to overhead so 10 hang cleans 10 shoulder to overhead and those shoulder to overhead those 10 movements i got them done in like 12 seconds every time and i basically was almost strict pressing a couple of times i would you know i'd push press them but uh i thoroughly enjoy shoulder to overhead stuff um i am not comfortable at all on the rig yet Uh, a lot of rig Pull up, pull up rig. A lot of the gymnastics movements, there's still, uh, which is funny because I did gymnastics way in the past, 20 plus yeah. years ago. Um, sure. But uh, but the pull up rig and, and a lot of those gymnastic movements, I get in my head a little bit on. Um, but I would say anytime we're doing shoulder to overhead or anything like, um, I love dumbbell snatches. I think that's a fun mm-hmm. movement. Anything that kind yep. of involves the whole body all at once. Got it. I'm a fan of. Sweet. And then we have a question actually that was submitted to us by the great Randy Lemon, the The OG here in CrossFit. So Randy has a question. His question was, what has been Dallas's biggest accomplishment since starting CrossFit? And maybe maybe we've addressed it already, but if not, what would that be? Well, I would say besides the accomplishment of meeting Randy Lemon, (laughs) <laughs> that that would ideally be my first um I, I would say uh i would say that it has been the the growth the growth of my mindset in the expansion of my possibilities 
of what I'm capable of, of my capabilities, the expansion of my capabilities and the growth mindset that is taking place with that, that I'm still learning new stuff. Um, mm -hmm. And and that I think uh, while I would say the 40 pounds has been awesome, I would say uh, the neuroplasticity of mind and body connection has been probably the biggest accomplishment. That's great, man. I really it's, like it's actually, answer, isn't it? Not at all. It's actually been it's been said more than once in CrossFit that the greatest adaptations are actually between the ears. It's yeah. in how you think. Like it just opens your eyes to like this world of exciting possibilities. All this cool stuff that you can do and you didn't even realize you can do it. And what I think is really like exciting and so fulfilling about this for so many people is that so many people feel like they're living groundhog day i don't know if this is dallas a story because you're an entrepreneur like your life is exciting almost by default right well but exciting for so many, with that word <laughs> so for so many people like they go to the same job every day and yeah. it's it's monotony and like so much of the day-to-day -day, everyday stuff you, by the time you get to be 35 years old like so many yeah. of our clients are 35 and, and plus or minus five ten years but when they get to this point they 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 feel like in a lot of ways they're not necessarily experiencing newness novelty um they're not like learning new things about themselves and they come to crossfit and it's like i didn't know that i could do that that's yeah. pretty cool yeah. like hey check it out look 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 what this amazing body that i've been gifted by the lord Look at these cool things we can do. Hey, yeah. I feel like I'm a kid playing again. Yeah, for sure. And I think understanding, um, I remember a, a a business coach I'd had a few years ago. He he talked about the the body. the The body is basically your weapon to go to war with. Yeah, you know. And at the right. time, he would always ask the question, "How weaponized are you?" And mm -hmm. at the time, you know, eating eating a half a sleeve of Oreos <laughs> is not the way to w put the right fuel in the tank, so to speak. Um, and I had, I had, come, I had come through a season of, uh, of depression and anxiety. And I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit. Um, but, uh, but for me, understanding the role that my body plays, not only in my daily needs for work, but also the role that it plays in the expansion. Um, when I, when I learn a new quote unquote, learn a new trick. Sure. It actually expands my mind in a way that's very powerful. And so, yeah, I would totally agree with that assessment that other people are saying is I get to do new stuff. Yeah. Now, and and science wanna... has proven that, that, that if you want to keep neuroplasticity in your brain, that actually physical, output physical exercise is the best way to do that yeah it, literally like you're training your body and your mind to be adaptable in a favorable way yeah you're training it to to switch and make changes that are favorable to you yeah so speaking of making a switch i want to make a quick switch here and now talk about the man behind the microphone I th that sounded like you were getting ready to segue to like a commercial We'd like to thank one of our sponsors, FitAid, for yeah. today's conversation. <laughs> I would like to thank FitAid, although they are not a sponsor. That said, if they if they want to sponsor me, I'll definitely I will I would accept that. <laughs> we don't have any I don't have any any uh, podcast sponsors yet. Maybe I should make some phone calls I'm about that. Saying, Dallas, you, you probably could pick up a couple there, especially here in the Glenad area. So 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 tell us about like your upbringing, Dallas. Like where you're from, where your what your family was like, and any special memories that really shaped you as a person. So uh, I was born and raised actually in the same area, Metro East, um, and my parents were pastors of a church in Collinsville, Illinois, called Sun Life. A lot of people who have been in this area for a long. Oh, hold on, we lost you there for a second, Dallas. Yep, there we go. My back. That was my fault. I bonked the cord. Um, so, uh, so my parents were pastors of a church called Sun Life, and they started the church when I was four months old, and uh, wow. actually started it on on Highway 157. Uh, as you're going through, like you're going down to the 270 entrance, it's now a different hotel, but it used to be a Holiday Inn there, right by that big cemetery. Um, yeah. That, that's actually where they started the church. They had 12 people start in a room at that Holiday Inn, and uh, then they eventually moved to Collinsville. Um, I grew up in the church. I was uh, 
a worship leader at the church for a number of years, went off to college um, in Webster University here in St. Louis, and uh, was getting, uh, I was in a bunch of theater growing up. I'd never, the joke is I never met a microphone I didn't love, um, or a stage or a camera, any of it. I just have, all, I've been like, where's the camera right there? Boom. All right. Got it. Um, so went to, went to college and got my degree in musical theater. And uh, that's where I met my amazing bride. And uh, I'll tell you about her in just a few minutes. But after college, uh, I actually went on staff at my parents' church for a couple of years because she was two years behind me. So I was not going to move out to LA until we were married. We knew we were gonna get married. Um, so I just took a job with them for two years waiting for her to graduate basically. I wasn't gonna marry her while she was still in college because her dad was still footing that bill. Uh, <laughs> We wanted that. We wanted that to continue. Um, so anyway, we moved out to LA. We lived there. We lived there for uh, 12 years, and then moved back here a few years ago, 2018, 2017, end of 2017, I think it was. Um, Got it. But yeah, that's kind of the the bio bio breakdown of who I am. I, I have I have been in the field of public communication for nearly 30 years. Wow. So I, I first started getting on stages when I was about, when I was, actually, no, I guess it has been 30 years. When I was 12 years old was the first time I sang in public. And now I'm 42. So I am now 30 years in the field of public communication. So I guess see how like that background, that experience really, it bears out in like your excellence with, you know, podcasting and stuff like that. So I can see how that like shaped you as a, as a person and a professional as well. Yeah. So tell us about family now. Tell us about your family now, Dallas. Well, I mentioned, I mentioned my bride. She's awesome. Um, we have been married. Uh, we are in seven, we are 17 years in, we're going on our 18th year in August. And, um, we met in college. She's incredible. Uh, she's a certified yoga instructor, which is very cool. So, um, she's kind of been, and she's been in the fitness business in and out. Uh, when we lived in LA, she worked at a gym out there. Um, but she's really cute. I really like her. Uh, and we have uh, we have three awesome boys, uh, Alexander, which we, who we call Lex, um, but Alexander, Arthur, and Arrow, and uh, they are 11, 11, 8, and four. So uh, it's good stuff. And um, yeah, I I am I am honored. <laughs> I'm honored. honored that I get to raise men yeah it's a it's a full house dallas yeah <laughs> amazon, amazon party of five there that's right and that's our hashtag when we hashtag stuff hashtag yeah. amazon party of five you guys have a full basketball team so well, so can i tell you something here's what's funny so meg has a brother and a sister as well they're both married with children we have three boys her sister has four boys mm -hmm. and her brother has two boys so we actually have it. a full baseball team now of wow man of, of boys and there's another child coming uh due in a few months and they're about to find out this week what the gender is if it's going to be the sole girl on that side of the family so there was a large-scale european study some while ago over ten thousand people and they were trying to identify correlates like what is the what are the most predictive factors for the gender of a baby and the single single most predictive factor was the number and the gender of the man's siblings number and gender of the man's siblings so case in point case in point i have three brothers yeah i have only brothers which means that i have a genetic predisposition to have a son sure interesting so for dallas for example once you know lex and arrow etc once that they're old enough to have their own kids yeah they too will be predisposed to have sons versus fascinating. daughters fascinating yeah i thought it was interesting so the the number one factor huh. in a large scale study so i like that i like that so dallas tell us about like hobbies outside the gym like what do you do for fun besides fitness uh, we are, <laughs> that's so funny. Uh, I, I made the comment just recently to someone that my wife and I are in the, it takes us four nights to watch a two hour movie phase of parenting. 
it's kind of oh, yeah. it's kind of where <laughs> we're at. Um, so so outside of outside of work and yeah. gym and child raising, right now there's not a lot of uh, a lot of activities. I will say though, uh, pre pre twenty twenty, um, be can we just start calling instead of BC? Can we call it like B twenty? Uh, before, before 2020, uh, one of my, you could say BC, but it was before COVID. There you go. Yeah, there you go. BC 19. We could call it BC 19. There it is. Um, one of my favorite things to do, honestly, as weird as it sounds, it was to go to a movie theater alone and watch a movie by myself. Um, now most people wouldn't know this about me by talking to me or looking at me, but I'm actually extremely introverted and I don't, I, yeah, I don't feed off of the need to be with people. I actually feed off the, the need to be alone. Um, so so I would say that was probably one of my favorite things to do. And every now and again, my wife would look at me and go, hey, why don't you go see a movie? You need to be alone for a little bit. Um, so she sure. would, So that was that was nice for me. And then also, um, I, uh, I don't currently have a keyboard. I do still play piano at our church uh, once a month, but I love to just sit down and play and worship. And that's a, that's probably a big pastime of mine, too, that is refreshing. Absolutely. And one of the things that we've connected around is our faith. It's really important to yeah. us. Um, you know, it's something that, you know, as an organization here at CFB, had been an important current and important thread ever since the start was our faith. Yeah. Maybe you can talk to us a little bit about, you know, what your faith means to you or, like, your relationship with the Lord. <sighs> How much time do we got? No. Um, so like I, like I had said, I, I grew up as, as a son of a pastor. I was not the typical PK uh, for those of you listening uh, and know that stereotype of a pastor's kid. I was not that I wasn't a wild child. Um, I found that uh, what happened was up until about 16 or 17, um, I was just a great Christian kid, went to a Christian school, did all the things, was at church multiple times a week, um, was in the, again, church worship team, just did all the right stuff. But what I realized around that age was, um, there's an intriguing thing biblically, G, that uh, what you have when um, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Jacob goes to wrestle with God, and uh, that in that story, uh, he's, he's the line, he's part of the line of these patriarchs and, and, and please hear that not as the patriarchy, but he's part of these lines of the patriarchs of this particular faith. And, um, Jacob goes to wrestle with God and he wrestles all night long, uh, with this angel slash God slash man, you know, Bible isn't specifically clear, but, um, at the end of it, the, the man says to Jacob, let go of me because the day is coming, you know, the, the dawn is coming. And Jacob says, I won't let go till you bless me. And in that moment, he says, you'll no longer be known as Jacob. Now you'll be known as Israel. And, and, he, and he had an identity change and a name change. And I went through a period in that time in my life around 16, 17, where I had multiple months where I was wrestling with God about something. And what I realized through it was I had been serving the God of my parents and my grandparents. And in that point, it was, no, now I want to be your God. I want to be the God, not of Abraham and Isaac, but of Jacob, or not of Jimmy and Leela and Dennis and Patty, but of Dallas. Yeah. And so he, so the relationship became very personal and very real in that time yes. in my life. Um, again, not that I, not that I wasn't walking out the faith beforehand, but it just, it, it gained a personal realism for me as an adult, uh, as in a growing into my adulthood, uh, which was really important. And, and now um, I would say one of the things, one of the things that I am most anchored to is uh, I think it's very easy to get into bumper sticker Christianity or into meme theology um, little one-liners and we go, oh, well, you know, that's what I need. How many people really know what what Philippians 4 says when it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? Dude, I, I haven't think about that. I'm with you on that 100%. Yeah. I know where you're going. Absolutely. I'm Preach. a sucker, I'm a sucker for context. 
I'm a yeah. sucker for context. And if you give and me the context of that one, especially is it's yeah. very unique. We can, we yeah. can get into that sometime, but yeah, no, no, we won't get into it. Today. But like another one for me is um, in Isaiah, I know the plans I have for you and how people, yeah. that. and it's like, well, no, it means you're about to go into 70 years of captivity, but sure. He knows the plans. He, you know, we take, right. we take our meme theology and, and, um, and I think what we do is we shortchange the, transformational potential of the gospel because we have a very shallow view of the word. And so for me now, the word is uh, just like the prophet Jeremiah says in the book of Jeremiah, your words were found and I ate them and they became the the bread of my soul, the fuel for my soul and the desire of my heart. And, Absolutely. Um, and I think, um, I think Psalm 119 talks about the word and the power of the word and what the word does and how the word acts out. And I think that's so important. So for me, my biggest anchor is um, I want to be anchored to the word as it is and also to the one who is the word made flesh, Jesus Christ. So those are the two big parts for me that I would say is really important to my faith. Now, I love to hear preachers speak and I love to hear things, but I hear so much. Can I just say pop psychology inside of a lot of sermons now inside of a lot of preachers that it it really it really um bristles me a little bit uh sure i'd rather hear you just say what the word says and let's be done with it you let the word out of the cage it'll take care of itself absolutely and like this is gonna love me to um i really wanted to ask you about your new i guess baby the men of faith and fire movement But before we get into that, like, give us some of your professional background, because I feel like it creates a really important context for this sure. conversation as well. Sure. So uh, we moved we moved out to L.A. Uh, I actually, um, again, I had left the church job when we moved out to Los Angeles, and I couldn't find work in a studio. We went out to be a part of the entertainment industry. I couldn't find uh, day job work that was working for me, and I became a stunt performer at Knott's Berry Farm. It's a... Uh, it's a uh, theme park out there in Anaheim, um, but uh, but I became a cowboy stunt performer. So I spent a, a couple years of my mid twenties jumping, getting shot, and jumping off of buildings, uh, doing fake fighting, and doing just a bunch of stunt work. So uh, that was hilarious. Um, and then I took a job uh, working with a nonprofit, a Christian nonprofit out there in Los Angeles that was involved in the movie industry. It allowed me to review movies, to use writing, things like that. Um, from there, I actually made the switch to um, I, I did something briefly after that, and I'm forgetting it right now. But I, I eventually became a, an apartment manager out there in in Los Angeles. And I did that because I had scripts that I was trying to sell. And at the same time, I was also doing stand-up comedy. Again, never met a microphone I didn't love. Um, (laughs) But what happened with that was I had done some work as an actor um, while I was doing the stunt performer stuff and and even working with the nonprofit. I had an agent. I did some commercial work. I I did a couple spots on soap operas and a few other things. But what I realized was all of them was me reciting someone else's lines, being told exactly where to stand. And um, and you were basically, under, a lot of people don't know this in Hollywood, but under a certain percentage, like 95% of the actors in Hollywood who get occasional work, we are talking props. Because, you know, I'll use, um, I'll use this candle, Bath and Body Works. There you go. In case you want to yeah. know that on my desk here. I'll use this candle as an example. So if I shot a commercial for this candle, this candle was the star of the commercial. I was not. Right. I was the right. top prop that held it, had to hold it in a certain direction and say the line the right way. So it got captured on the light the right way too. Because that was right. the star. Um, so I wasn't, I, I wasn't probably 10 different gigs into that before I went, man, I don't want to be an actor. I want to start speaking my own lines and saying the stuff that I write. And so I, I moved in, into script writing. Um, and then I also moved into doing stand-up comedy and I loved doing stand-up comedy. That was really delightful. Um, but I was working as a apartment manager during the day. I was going out and doing stand-up comedy at night. I was sleeping very little. Um, and during that time, I felt like there were all of these promises that I had been pursuing 
um, some promises from God and some probably just ego-based promises that I thought I had made to myself, as well as the pressure of feeling like I had to perform a certain way for the people who, quote, believed in me back home, you know? Sure, um, yeah. And so there came this perfect storm of faith and frustration and detours and denials and all of these delays and and then sleeplessness and and hard schedule and I basically um, got to the point where I was um, depressed. I mean, no other way to say it. And um, I was had several destructive behaviors. I was sedating as much as I possibly could. Um, I was fulfilling my basic duties, but I was living very hollow. Um, and very eggshell. Um, so we got to the point where my wife finally demanded that I go and see a therapist. And it seemed so freaking cliche in LA to see a therapist. But um, but I went and did that. And when they, they administered the therapy, you know, the test testings that they did, they discovered that I was in the 95th percentile for major anxiety disorder and, and uh, major depression, severe anxiety disorder, I'm sorry, and major depression. And wild, um, man. yeah, it was rough. I mean, we had a couple, we had some dark years and it was part of when we moved from LA back to here, I said to Meg, I was like, I'm done. I don't want to be in the industry anymore. I don't want to be doing stand-up right now. I'd be fine to just have a yard. And we had our second kid had come along at that point. And I, I tapped out. I was just finished. Um, I also felt at the time that there was a tremendous amount of futility in the last decade of my life. That everything I had been doing was for naught. I mean, in the scope of things, what's, what's an apartment manager? You know, in the scope of things... Uh, what is what's jumping off of buildings? What's getting scripts shopped around and then getting rejected on them? Like it just it felt like a decade plus of waste to me. Um, but in my therapy, uh, my my therapist there in Los Angeles, he said, "Hey man, why don't you why don't you start coming to some of our group sessions as well as doing the one on one with me? Just start coming to some group sessions." And I did so. I realized I wasn't any time in the group sessions before I was like, man, I've got, there's a richness in me. I've got, yeah. like, I was the one saying, Hey, have you considered this? Have you tried that? Like um, I found for me, it was this way. And, and um, there were points that basically my therapist would lean back and go, I, I don't even need to run this thing. Dallas, what do you want to say about it? You know? Um, and I'm not saying that to brag. What I'm saying is I was designed in such a way as to gain quick insights. Yes. For people. And it gave I've seen me, it in you. This is true. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, and the other thing too is um, God has given me a tremendous uh, ability to recognize patterns, large, large scale patterns. And so I can, people say I learn things quickly. And I'm like, no, I can see the pattern quickly. That's vastly different. And then I can take that pattern and go, oh, well, this pattern would work on that. So, what ended up happening was I started getting more into coaching from that. Um, and then when we moved back here, I was like, yeah, I, th I think, I think I want to make the shift because I want to, I want to have my own voice. I don't want to say someone else's lines. I get insights right. for people. I know how to ask powerful questions. I've also gone through the darkest pits and now can yes. navigate my way through them. So from that, all of a sudden, all of this clarity came of all of these random skills that I had picked up from the last 12 years. Right. It was this, I was willing to take the leap. I was willing to put myself out there. I was, I knew what it meant to manage people and manage crisis in the apartment building. Like I, I had over a hundred tenants in the building that basically looked at me as the big brother of the building. So all of a sudden I was able to go, well, well here, I have a tool for that. Oh, I have a tool for that. I had no idea that these tools were worth anything. But then when I started moving into coaching, all the tools started making sense to me that God had miraculously lined up along the way. Right. And, and I went, oh, yes, that makes perfect sense. Um, and uh, I had had a dream in 2012 because it was finally, this was during the depression. I was like, God, what on earth am I here for? Um, and not in a Rick Warren purpose-driven life sort of way. It was a much more desperate... I'm uh, suicidal ideation was taking place. And for a son of a pastor 
to have suicidal ideation. I was like, this is a crisis. Something's wrong. But, um, but I had a dream where basically I, I saw a movement of people who were on fire, no matter where they were in their life. They were saying, you know, I'm a nurse, I'm a this, I'm a construction guy, I'm a this guy, I'm a that person. But in essence, instead of being defined by their economics, they were defined by their ethics. Instead of being defined by their politics, they were defined by their principles. And what they did was they said, I'm going to live above and beyond the current capacity I see, and I want to become something more. And so things kind of started weaving their way from that. Um, and I started coaching and I started beta testing some program stuff with, with small groups. And I really found like I was getting some traction um, on what that all was supposed to look like. I, I know I've been talking a lot for the last few minutes. So is this okay? No, it's the story, man. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. We're here to right. learn the story. All right. Well, I'm just checking in because people listening or watching might be like, good God, he just keeps talking. Um, so, so what happened um, during all of that learning and education of coaching and, and the self-help and this and that, um, I began to, I, I was listening to every guru I could find. I was reading every book I could find. If you saw my bookshelf downstairs, it's loaded with books. I'm loaded. I re, I went through one year, I read over 50 books in one year. And it was all in that self-help productivity movement stuff. Oh yeah. That makes um, two of us, man. Yeah. yeah you, two of us. I, I know you digest it more <laughs> than we digest our fit aids. Um, yep. But uh, last year it was, it was actually, it was just, it was just pre-shutdown. I was getting ready to launch everything. I had an event on the calendar for last April. And I had I remember I, this. Right before remember COVID this. hit. Yeah, it was yeah. right before COVID hit. And I had this check in me. They wanted a thousand dollars down for this event space. And I was ready to put the money down for the event space and start promoting it. And I was like, ah, I need to wait. I need to wait. I need to wait. And then COVID hit and they were like, Yeah, we're not good thing you didn't pay that. <laughs> good thing. Yeah. Um I remember not talking to that event. I remember talking because we yeah. we were like you were you were sharing your game plan with me for it, and it was like I was excited for you. Like you had this really cool vision, yeah. and you had the audience you needed. Yep, crazy how that all played out, and COVID kind of derailed stuff for a minute. It did, but it was actually really good because it was right after that derailment that uh, which used to would have spiraled me in in mm -hmm. my depression. That would have that that kind of delay or denial or detour would have just spiraled the depression out. But what happened was I was like, God, what are you saying in all of this? I paused and said, what are you saying? And I, and I didn't feel, I didn't feel like I had my quote tribe very clear because I was going to be helping. Um, I was going to be helping frustrated dads is what is what I was looking at. Frustrated dads. But I looked at what happened one day in prayer was I, I was in, I was in scripture and the scripture came up in Psalms that says, uh, look to the hills, where does your help come from? And the, and um, and so I had just been kind of reading through and I closed it, finished my prayer time. And later in the day, I was just thinking on it. And I felt like the Lord asked me that question again, look to the hills, where does your help come from? And I was driving in my car and I said, God, you know, the rest of that scripture, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth is what the scripture says there. And it was almost as though God just like tweaked the knob a little bit. And it was as if I heard him say, then why are you trying to position yourself as a self-help guru? Yeah, it was a really was, important realization. This is an important shift for you. This was a huge shift for me. And it happened right as COVID was hitting. And it was like, look to the hills. Where does your help come from? Your help comes from the Lord. And I was over here and I had set my whole program up as a quote, self-help program. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm missing the mark. There's one of the tools that that I have not put on the table here, and it's the tool of my faith. Yeah. I've learned all the tricks. I've learned all the mechanisms. I've learned all the things. I've got the, all these various skills. But the one thing that wasn't on the table was who I am in Christ, my identity there. And so from that, I was talking to one of my business coaches. I was working with a business coach and a branding coach at that point. And through the process, they were like, are you aware of how often you talk about burnout and getting fired up? Like some people are burned out. I'm, I'm fired up about this. This ignites my soul, blah, blah, blah. They're like, are you aware of how often you use fire terminology? And by the way, fire is my favorite element. 
Um, there we go. And and uh, I just I love and and I had preached a sermon series years ago at our church in LA called the Church of Fire, and it was about the elemental Christianity that causes us to ignite in our faith. And so um, they're like, you should really explore this idea of fire. And then all of a sudden it came to me. I was I was at one of these uh, coaching sessions. And I said, I want to help men of faith on fire. And she looked at me and she goes, that's what you've been missing for a year and a half. That's the group. She goes, because it's perfectly you and it takes you out of the self-help mechanisms. And so then all of a sudden the hyper clarity just in this last year that's come has been really cool. So um, so there's kind of two parts to it. Yes, there's the podcast that is going to be launching here very shortly. Men of Faith and Fire, the Faith and Fire podcast. Um, but it is specifically designed and, and the whole program and all of my coaching now has shifted to help Christian dads who are battling burnout or feel like they're losing at life, which is what I felt like all those years. You know, if you're a Christian dad and you feel like you're battling burnout or you're just losing at life, the program is set up in such a way. And I am so passionate about what I help them do is I help them gamify their life and get a scoring plan in place, a playbook in place, right. they can actually start scoring points for their life so that they can go from, you know, from losing to actually tracking wins so that they can go from uh, dropping their days to scoring points so that ultimately they can go from feeling burned out to totally on fire in their faith, with their families and in their businesses. And give them a sense of victory in all yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, they can look back and go, uh, we, we, every, every coaching client with me starts with a scouting report, just like you would send the NFL combine and they get their scouting report. And what we typically have found with, um, with the people I beta tested this on, as well as now my current clients, most people, when they take the score, by their totals are usually around the 60 to 70 mark. And then what okay. we do is I help them gamify it because the moment you become aware of what your scores are, all of a sudden they'd, they'd automatically uptick because you start going, oh, well, I should do this. I should do that. Um, and by the end of one quarter of working with me, most people are scoring in the high 80s or 90s in their That's life. That's awesome, man. Yeah. And there's, a, there's an expression in CrossFit worlds that men will die for points. If you can gamify something or assign points to it. Yeah. Well, it's, it's it sounds so like like uh, having a, a point system that takes something like relationships out of this like nebulous amorphous thing or our spiritual walk takes out of this amorphous nebulous thing and makes it more tangible yeah aside, like make it quantifiable turns it into more of an engaging game for us as christian dads who are you know trying to stay trying to be good at relationships try to be good at career try to be good at health and try to do all the things you know yep. what i mean so so that's what it is is i actually have the power playbook and we treat it like what's what are you doing offensively what are you doing defensively what's your game plan how are you going to work in the next week to get to your quarterly targets and once you once you put those metrics in place it's incredible how people get competitive and what's about to launch with it not just with the podcast, but what I'm about to launch is I'm actually about to launch uh, Faith and Fire Leagues. So what men will do is they'll get on a team with two other men. It'll be teams of three, and you're working to score your daily points, but your two teammates are holding you accountable and transparent to your transformation. And I you're doing the same awesome. with them. So the three of you are competing in a league against other men of three teams. And then at the end of the quarter, every one of you has individually changed your life. But the winning team, we're actually going to make a donation to the charity of their choice in the name of their team. That's awesome. So you're going you're gonna to win at your own life, plus you're going to change the world around you, which ultimately that's, isn't that the gospel. That's awesome. Man. That's so exciting. I'm, I'm stoked for you as you're building this tribe. Yeah, it's, I'm, I'm really – every time I talk about it more and more, I get super excited. I'm excited for you. It's like, what uh, what are the challenges you face now as you're as you're seeking to build this new brand and this new movement? So I'm I'm working with a marketing coach right now, and um and and really dialing in the messaging points um, that are going to resonate deeply with that man. Um, yeah. Are has been has been one of the challenges, and then ultimately. Um, as a, as an entrepreneur throughout, and there were several things we didn't get into today, but 
as having launched several brands throughout and seeing some fail, some fail forward, some fail miserably, some fail spectacularly. There's always a little bit of limiting belief in me that's like, oh, do I want to put one more thing out into the world? So there's been a little bit of a hesitation on my side. However, um, I'm more confident than ever in in what's about to launch with it. Um, But I would say the difficulty has been the marketing messaging and then the the own hiccup of my brain of going, it's okay, do it. Just get this out. Just feed it into the world. So, I mean, with the Defeating Depression podcast, I just turned on a microphone, started producing five a week. I was doing 10-minute episodes five times a week. And we, I, within a year, I was over 25,000 downloads. And I, and I did. So, so I know this will find its tribe and there will be men who go, yes, I do suffer from identity who I am outside of what I do. Yes, I do have the fatigue. Yes, I do have the anxiety. Yes, I do have this. Yes, I have a lack of accountability. I'm isolated in my world. I want to connect with a brotherhood. Those those men are going to reach out and be like, that's the guy. That's the tribe. Those are the men. I want to be on fire just like that. That's awesome, dude. So you referenced how like you have failed on stuff. You have failed forward on stuff. And maybe you've already answered this question, but like, a favorite failure, right? Like, has it been a failure or an apparent failure that have set you up for success? And again, we've touched on some of these things, but is there one thing in particular that's come to mind for you? And I, I throw this out there too, because we have a lot of business leaders, entrepreneurs yeah. in our community, CFE specifically and otherwise. And I find like we resonate with them a yeah. lot, right? Yeah. We can relate to this because if you're a true entrepreneur, you have crashed and burned way more times than you've come across the finish line successfully. So yeah. what is it for Dallas? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, so um, I would say, I would say that uh, there, there were several times in the early days that I put the cart before the horse and I started, um, I started marketing from a place of impulse of what I thought was right versus from market research. Okay. And so I started, um, uh, I started marketing a brand before I knew what the, what the, what the people desired for that brand. Um, and you know, Ryan Levesque in the ask method, he talks about this. He's like, find out what hits them the most. I mean, when I first started quote, helping frustrated dads, I had no idea what was frustrating them outside of what frustrated me as a dad. And so, um, so I started putting out questions as I started moving into what was the pre, what was the self-help version of what has now been transformed into men of faith and fire was I actually started putting out surveys and saying, Hey, you know, in Facebook groups, Hey guys, what's the number one thing you deal with as a business owner, as a dad and a business owner? Hey, what's the thing that fires you up in your faith? And I just started finding out what are the keywords have made sense to them versus what I thought it would be because I realized that I didn't always have the right language to or the right lingo to hit their messaging but when yeah. they started giving me the messaging it started to sharpen it um, but I also um, I had designed a I had designed a uh, product a few years ago called a snackadium and uh, I don't know that I, have I ever actually brought you the hard version of it have I ever showed this I've never seen the hard version but I've I definitely bring... heard about it all right so the snackadium the original snackadium it's a um, the a few years ago, snack stadiums were huge in the do-it-yourself market, especially for Super Bowl games. And I made one one year, and um, a friend of mine who's an architect, he uh, had his degree in architecture, I should say. Um, he was super stoked about it. He helped me design the whole thing. We fed 30 people during Super Bowl for a big party because of this homemade snack stadium. The next year, we downsized a little bit, but after the second year, it was so successful of a party and everybody's like taking photos by the snack stadium and this and that, mm-hmm. um, that my friend and I looked at each other and said, man, why don't we design one of these that's reusable dishwasher safe. And that is modular. So people can do their thing. So, uh, we, we designed the original snack stadium. I will gladly share photos with you, uh, so that, so that it can be posted. Um, but it was a, it was a series of trays, snack trays, designed to look like a stadium and we made it to where it could be a big 10 piece version that was about three feet long or you could 
take out the big tray, put a smaller dip tray in and have a smaller party version. That So we had the Coliseum and the arena. And yeah. um, we made so many design mistakes. We made um, we made wrong choices in the materials we used and um, shipping choices and manufacturers. And I blew I blew a crap ton of money on that. Um, but uh, I would say that was probably my most fun failure because I still had a great time making the product and the people. I was on Fox two, two, two Super Bowl Sundays in a row. They brought us in to just show the thing out. And uh, we sold like 40 on one Sunday, which was awesome. But it it wasn't um, with a product design. It was not feasible for a shipping market. And that's what limited us. So it was a fun, very fun, very expensive failure. <laughs> that's an awesome story, too. So uh, what about one of the, the, mo- the best or most worthwhile investments you've made? And this could be this could be money. This could be time. This could be energy. What was it for you? You know, we we, uh, we entrepreneurs, we are uh, a lot of us are, are suckers for, you know, investing in ourselves and self-development, self-growth and all that. This right here, for- this is one of the most worthwhile investments I've ever made. Uh, because <laughs> he just we have a guest it. appearance right now we have a guest appearance on the cfe community podcast you want to say hi bud no this is arrow for those of you who don't know and um he is named after psalm 127 that says that sons in the hands of sons are like arrows in the hands of a young warrior and so uh when we knew we were having a third son we had an a name for a girl picked out but when we found out we were going to have a boy, my wife just said, I feel like this is Psalm 127 and this is another arrow in our quiver. And we went, that's his name. So that's our guy, Arrow. I love it. Can you give Daddy a few more minutes? Let me wrap this up. No, you're just going to sit here with me till the end. All right. So it's okay with us. We'll we make sure to stick around. Yeah, we'll make sure to let everyone know we had a guest appearance at around the one hour mark. Um, I would say probably my most most worthwhile investment um was uh when i first started beta testing my program i made uh 10 minute videos and the program was 110 days long at that time and so i made i made 110 10 minute videos that really helped wow. clarify the program for me and clarify what i wanted to do and that that second beta test that i tried brought so much clarity to who I am as a communicator, as well as uh, who I was as a leader, um, the program. And so I, I would say that was probably probably one of the most worth, worthwhile investments. And um, as cliche as it sounds, the most worthwhile investment I make on a daily basis is in my time with God and in my deposits with my family. Because those ultimately, those are the two ROIs I want for the rest of my life anyway. So. The most important ones. It's yeah. always the relationships. Yep. It's always the relationships. So we've uh, we've had you on here just for a little over an hour now, yeah. and I don't, I don't, well, don't want to abuse. You get me talking, and I'll keep going. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't want to abuse the privilege of of, uh, of having you here with us. So I'm gonna kind of rapid fire a few questions that I think are fun. <laughs> questions I <laughs> questions I've borrowed from Tim Ferriss, one of the world's best interviewers. Yep. And uh, we'll let this uh, bring us into the, the finish line. So first up, in the last five years, what new belief, behavior, or habit has most improved Dallas's life? Uh, so in my program, uh, the whole thing is taught within a framework that I that I create created slash mined and discovered. Um, but it's the four I framework. And so every day, if I can increase in my four I's, I know I'm winning at life and it's the framework I teach men, which is if you can increase daily in your insights, what you're learning, something, the revelation you get every day, if you can increase in your imagination of who you are, the identity of who you can be, and uh, if you can increase in your intention, set your intention and accomplish it. And then if you can increase in your impact of the people around you, uh, if you increase in those four eyes you will start winning at life. And um, I teach men a very strategic way on how to, to get those four eyes every day. But I have found that once clarity came around the four eye framework, I've exponentially transformed my life. Cool. What's an unusual habit or absurd thing that Dallas loves? 
Well, you know, you know, I'm going to say professional wrestling. <laughs> um, I'm still trying to understand this. I don't I, get it. I showed up today at the gym, everybody, in a shirt of Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Just bring it. And uh, yeah. I, think, I think when I show up in an old wrestling shirt, I think it throws you off. But I, I think it was the athletic... or WrestleMania hat. That, yeah, that too. Yeah, the athletic theatricality, though. I grew up as a huge fan for that, and I just loved the um, pageantry of the story of good and evil playing out in a in a way that felt competitive and aggressive and 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 at the same time theatrical. Um, so I think there was a little bit of that element, but even now I don't watch it very regularly anymore, but I would still say the absurd thing about me is definitely the, that I'm a, just a huge mark for professional wrestling. If I could ever shake Vince, <laughs> if I could ever shake Vince McMahon's hand, who is the owner of the WWE, I would say to him, you have been one of the most influential people in my life. Top 10. Maybe he's in the top 10. Maybe. Maybe I need to be arranging that in, in the, that uh, that conversation sometime. Yeah, to the extent that I have any, to the extent that I have any influence to make that happen. <laughs> uh, last last question for Dallas: If you have a, a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, it's like metaphorically speaking, getting a message out to millions or billions of people, what would it say and why? And and this could be it could be a few words, it could be a paragraph, it could be somebody else's quote. You might look at this question like, are there any quotes that Dallas lives by? What would, what would your billboard say? So so the the Christian answer for me would be my one of my life verses, which is Job 23.10, which is, he knows the way I take, and when he has tried me, I will come forth as gold. And I, and, um, or, you know, when he has forged me, I will come forth as gold. That would probably probably be it. But I remember saying to somebody a couple of months ago, who you are today is insufficient to where you need to go tomorrow. So you have to transform. And I think, I think transformation is incredible. I think, I, tra I think transformation is necessary. Um, so I yes. probably, it probably either just say Job 23, 10 come forth is gold. Um, or it would say who you are today is insufficient to get you where you need to go tomorrow. Hopefully the the work that we both do is helping people to have that transformation so they can fully experience that and get from like the potential to the yeah. realization of it. And and here here's the other thing I would say. And this this might actually be it. Do not despise the journey. That that'd be it. I dig it. Yeah, Dallas. How, how can people find out more about the Men in Faith and Fire movement? Uh, well, right now, probably the best way to do it is to follow me on social media, and I just happen to have that banner there. It is at Dallas Amston. Um, mm -hmm. The Men of Faith and Fire pages will be launching soon, uh, but if you just follow me on Instagram at Dallas Amston or on Facebook at Dallas Hampson. You can follow me on Twitter at Dallas Hampson. You will be sorely disappointed in my lack of engagement. Yeah. Um, but just my name, Dallas Hampson, is probably the best way to track right now, especially if you want to uh, follow us once the podcast launches. Good deal. I'm excited. Well, hey, Dallas, I want to say a great big thank you to you for taking time out of your day. Thank you for hang out going, with us. running along with me. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's been fun. It always is. I had a, I had a great time. Uh, I'm looking. I'm really looking forward to the launch and learning more about this. Maybe jumping onto one of those leagues. Also, you know, I'm I'm more than a little bit competitive, and if there's points involved, oh, I know. know I'm, I'm, I'm probably there. But hey, thank you to also everybody tuning in to listen thank to our, our podcast today. We appreciate the gift of your time. We appreciate you all. We hope all of you guys have a beautiful and blessed rest of your day.